And we are back. This is the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. I am your host, Eric. What's going on, everybody? I hope you all know that you are blessed and highly favored out there. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I really appreciate that. And uh, I, that really hits home, considering the 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 the, the tragedy of this last week. It, it, I really want you to know that. I mean that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really appreciate you being here and hanging out with me for a little while, spending a little bit of your time uh, listening to the show. It, it means a great deal to me. So if to all to all the listeners, to every everybody who's ever hit play or download or, or however it is you you get this into your ear hole. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I really, truly appreciate that. I um, want to give a big shout out to all of my sponsors. Uh, first up, Pastime Marketplace in those beautiful cases that they have uh, for your graded cards. Again, if you uh, if you need a case, go check out Pastime, Mar- Pastime Marketplace online and uh, use code FATPACKS at checkout for 20% off your order. And you will get yourself a beautiful uh, waterproof, pretty much indestructible case for your cards to carry in. They look sleek. And uh, it's one of those things you like might want to put a put a pair of handcuffs on and, and walk around all all fly with make make yourself look important. Uh, they're they're beautiful. They come in large and extra large and um, sizes. So yeah, go pick one up, man. I, I can't say enough about them. They're great. We gave four of those away at the national. Four of them, and the last guy that won one didn't even know that he was getting it. So that was really cool. Uh, next up, Dynasty Breaks. Want to say thank you to Dane and the team up there, at Dynasty Breaks. Check out those hit of the nights uh, as as he sends them over. We'd love to share them with you. He's pulling straight fire. Uh, new customers get five dollars off their first order. Let them know that we sent you over there and uh, be a part of the Dynasty Breaks team. Vintage Breaks, man. I had fun watching Vintage Breaks this last week as they broke up that fifty six tops that we gave away a spot in that. Uh, Tommy Baller at Tommy Baller, I believe, won it, and I hope that you enjoy your card. Whatever you got, man, let me see it. Post it up for me so I can see, and uh, we'll tag us in it. We'll, we'll retweet it for you. Vintage Breaks, Layton, and the team over there doing great, great things. Uh, Chris Gilmore, the the freaking guru of all things technical. I, I don't, I don't, he does so many things. So uh, thanks, guys, for being a part of the team. Make sure you check out Just Collect as well. And then last but not least, Filth Bomb Breaks. want to uh, give a big shout-out and thank you to Michael for joining me last week on the show here. He made his Fat Packs debut, and they have absolutely been pulling fire as well. Their hit of the week this week was insane. It was a John Smoltz, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, Triple Patch Auto from 2019 Triple Theds, one of one. It is just if you're a Braves fan, it's like your card, right? The only thing that would have made that better if it was, you know, three of the pitchers instead of instead of those three guys. So, absolutely great time had by all who are a part of those breaks. Make sure you're checking them out, and they have that daily show too uh, at 7 p.m. that you can catch where they just kind of break down the hobby on, on a day to day basis. So, please go check out uh, Filth Bomb Breaks as well. New products, new pricing this week. Got two new hockey cards, uh, pro- hockey card sets priced for you. That would be Trilogy, 2019-20 Trilogy, and 2019 Synergy, and 2019-20 Synergy as well. Synergy is a tough, tough product for me. I like it a lot. The chase element is fun. But this is the third year that we've opened those boxes and have not got a base card. That chase element on that base card is tough. Those those rookies are numbered to 20, and they're... The, the higher the tier, the lower the numbers are. So the, that third tier, those are numbered to 10. 
tough pulls on those. So your your red, which is the first the first level of parallel, actually kinds of ends up being your base set, uh, at least price guide wise, because that's what that's what you kind of have to go off of. It's the most common of the of the th- of the four different levels because there's purple that I believe are numbered to jersey numbers or something like that. It's it's tough. It, it's a tough set, but it's a fun chase element to that set. It is priced in your uh, in your OPG right now. You can you can catch that uh, if you have an online price guide subscription. Uh, please go check that out and let me know if you see any of those base cards floating out there because that those are not priced obviously because those are those are just too tough. But if I'd like to get some kind of pricing element in there for you, and then new uh, new products wise. We uh, seem to have only six products out this week, which I'm surprised being, you know, it's Super Bowl week and, you know, I thought there would be some football stuff out there, but there's not. So 2020 Tops Archive Signature Series Baseball is out. 1920 Upper Deck NHL Rookie Box Set is out. 19 Leaf Metal Baseball Babe Ruth Special Edition Box is out. 2020 TriStar Hidden Treasures Diamond Stars Autographed Baseballs are out. 2019-20 Panini Crown Royal Basketball is out. Man, Zion, is, is he seems to be the real deal. He's doing he's kind of doing his thing, and it's, it's impressive. And then, of course, you know, there's Panini Upside, uh, Upside in Soccer, which I'm excited about. I'm kind of getting into soccer, guys. I'm kind of getting into soccer a little bit, and... Is scaring me, but it's a market I don't fully understand. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of trying to figure it out, and it's cool. I like it a lot. I hope that I hope that you guys uh, are paying attention to what's going on in the soccer world, because you know those there's some guys there I think that are some sleepers that if you're looking to to flip, I know there are flippers that listen to this. If you're looking to flip, I think, I think there's some guys there that you can uh, pay attention to, and I, I like high end soccer stuff. So all that is out. Uh, go check your LCSs and uh, let, let us see you. Let's see those hits. See, show them, post them up. See what you got. Um, how do I get into this show? I'm a little, a little tough on how to do it because I, I want to be respectful of Kobe Bryant's uh, passing and you know his legacy in the ho- in, in in the sports world and in the hobby and, and everything. I you know I want to touch on it and be respectful of everything that comes with a tragedy like this at the same time i want you to please understand that i'm not pimping anything i don't want you to i'm not trying to tell you to go buy kobe cards i'm not trying to tell you to uh you know you need to go here and buy this that's not what i'm doing so please understand that when i when i speak about kobe later on in the show that i'm i'm being i'm being respectful i don't want to come off anything other than that so we're gonna we're gonna save that for the last segment of the show because I have a little bit of a little bit of a process that I need to lay out. But first up, we're gonna have an NFL agent. We had we had an NFL agent in the house, Jordan Hagedorn, who is he's absolutely absolutely the uh, the most fascinating person I've spoke with in 2020 on the simple fact that like he's all over the place with. You know, shoes and, and collecting, and and uh, he's an NFL agent, and you know he's got he's got his hands in a uh, in a lot of different pockets. Uh, but he's genuine. That's what I liked about him the most. He was genuine, and you know he has he has some takes that you know are genuine to him. And I and I really and what you don't hear what you, 
we had a conversation off mic that was more important to me probably than you know any other conversation I've had thus far this year because it was just it was genuine. It came from a genuine place, and I really I want to say thank you to uh, to Jordan. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate that. So what we're gonna do here is we're gonna jump right into that interview, and then we're gonna come back on the other side of that, and we're gonna talk a little bit about Kobe. And uh, again, it's gonna be. I'm I'm just gonna let you know right now. I'm gonna get emotional because of you, you'll you'll hear it, uh, but I'm gonna get emotional. I'm not trying to be a big crime baby. I'm not doing this for for you know a f- side effect or whatever. It's this is coming from a genuine place too. So um, we got Jordan Hagedorn, and then a little Kobe Bryant talk on the other end of that. Guys, hang tight, and we'll be right back. This is Dan Pashman from the Sporkful Food Podcast, and you're listening to the Fat Packs. All right, guys, we're back after that quick break. I uh, want to welcome my next guest. Met him a few days ago, uh, Jordan Hagedorn. He, I don't know how to explain what you do because you do a little bit of everything. You're an NFL agent. Yes. You are a collector. You're, a, you're writing a book. You have some uh, big hopes for the hobby with some, some good positive things you want to do. Oh, can I just call you kind of like an all-around kick-ass guy? I mean, I'll take that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so for let, let's just start with your, your history, man, because you shared a little bit of that the other day with me. Um, you're nine, year, nine years old mowing lawns, saving money to buy packs or buy cards. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm originally from Wisconsin and grew up. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love, you know, and that's that was always sure. the game. And so I uh, had to find a way to get cards, you know, discovered Brett Favre. He took over for the Packers in 92, and then as a nine-year-old kid in 1994, you're watching him play and you're, you're seeing him throw the ball to Robert Brooks and Sterling Sharp and, and really took Wisconsin by storm. So discovered his cards. The way it got started was found a pack of cards, 1994 score football at the grocery store for two bucks. What grocery store? You uh, store? It was Mega Foods. Mega Foods, okay. Not there anymore. Not there. <laughs> but uh, went to Mega Foods and then my parents said, hey, if you help carry the groceries in, you will buy you a pack of cards every time we go to the grocery store. That's a good deal. Great deal. So <laughs> two bucks would get 94 score and was chasing Marshall Falk, mm-hmm. who was a great rookie that year. And and then, of course, Favre, Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, those guys. So we'd get packs. You'd get one gold in every pack and eventually pulled the Favre. And that was a, a pretty big catalyst to see that. And then when I was 10 years old, I met Brett Favre at a signing, and, and that was pretty big. And then from there, it snowballed. And, yeah, I was mowing lawns and eventually got into buying and selling shoes to kind of fund my – my habit, which became uh, maybe a hoarding. <laughs> how 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 old were you when you started buying and selling shoes? So that was more high school. So I it kind of evolved from mowing lawns to uh, crazy story about mowing lawns was I was mowing my neighbor's lawn for ten bucks, my parents' lawn for ten bucks, and I was helping my neighbor who had a lawn mowing business. And all of a sudden, they went off and like joined the carnival of all things. Really? And they were <laughs> like, "Hey, Jordan, you're a good kid. You're good with people. You're hardworking. How would you like to take over our lawn mowing business?" So at twelve years old, I took over lawn mowing business, 26 clients, and my parents drove me around to about 15 of them. And then next thing you know, from 12 to 19, I had a lawn mowing business and then got into selling shoes, buying and selling shoes, vintage sneakers, Air Jordans in high school when I was about 16. Okay, we got to back up because we can't gloss over that. They joined the carnival? Yes. Okay. They bought a mini donut wagon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a kid who was like homeschooled, good friend of mine, Ron, and I'd go over and play cards with them and play football and we'd collect cards and, and sure. play Madden and stuff like that. 
And all of a sudden they're like, hey, we bought this mini donut wagon and they're going to bounce. <laughs> and so they had a lawn mowing business and they're like, do you want it? And so I inherited the, the whole business at 12. That is insane. Crazy, right? <laughs> that is insane. Uh, first of all, we homeschool our sons. So we're not dropping that to go to, we're not going to go do mini donuts just to let you know, honey, if you're listening. But uh, I know a lot of homeschool kids that it's great, right? Yeah. You're, if you're a good leader and you have the right material and you're treating them good morals, it's, yeah. I think it's, it's highly recommended, yeah. you know? It's absolutely cool. So, all right. So you, 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 you pick up a lawnmower in business and you start snowing, shelling, flipping shoes. How did you get into that? Because that's not something that, I mean, it's been a while around forever, it seems like, and the guys that know, like, really, really know, and then there, there's guys like me who I want to know, and I don't know a whole lot. How do you, like, how do you get your foot in the door of that? So I was 16 years old in 2001, and had always watched Michael Jordan play mm-hmm. when I was a kid, and I always remember a couple pairs of shoes, was the Jordan 11, Concord, white and black, with the shiny toe, and then the Jordan 12, which was a white and red that he wore in 96, and I uh, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and stuff like that. So I went on eBay in 2001 on my friend Will's mom e- mom's eBay account. Okay, you know, it had to be 18 to be on eBay. I was 16. AOL? Uh, no, str- yeah, straight up, straight up <laughs> dial up for <laughs> nice, sure. 2001, nice. AOL Instant Messenger. You know, that AIM game. So ended up buying the Jordan 12 white red for 40 bucks on eBay, and I wear a size 13, but they were size 12. So was um, wearing those, and they were too tight, even without laces. Okay. And so cleaned them up, fixed them up, put some white shoe polish on. My dad always taught me to take care of my shoes and my cleats whenever I play ball, and put them back on eBay, and they sold for one twenty. Nice. So, so right here there, you are, you're sixteen, yeah. you got eighty bucks, you know. And I had some lawn mowing money. It's how I paid for my first car and paid for some of these shoes. But and then I also bought a, a Jordan three in two thousand one. I bought three pairs from East Bay, which I ended up working at. Mm-hmm. Bought three pairs from East Bay, sold two. And that paid for the one. So then I got pretty much got a free pair of shoes. So right. I, I really got into it so I could fund my collection and could never afford good shoes when you know we were kids. So eventually bought Jordans through selling other Jordans, sure. uh, which is similar to cards, right? You buy and sell cards to be able to fund your collection a little bit sometimes. So that evolved to next thing you know, I was buying up. I just thought it was that model, Jordan 12. Mm-hmm. And then I was Jordan 13. And then ones that were recognizable from Michael wearing them on the court. And then eventually you realize there's this bigger market and eBay started to blow up in, in those mm-hmm. years. And I was one of probably three people at the time selling vintage Air Jordans. And that wow. was it. And now there's how many, right? Thousands. Yeah. So you brought up a pair of shoes recently in, in some other conversations. The, the old Sean Kemp's that, uh, like, first of all, I I didn't get to Seattle. I wasn't born in Seattle. I, I didn't get to Seattle until 2000, 2001. I got there as fast as I could. And I was a huge Sonics fan growing up, right? Living here in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. So those Kemp's, you, brought, you, you mentioned those and my, my eyes lit up. And I even had the Gary Paytons, the Nike Gary Paytons as well. The glove. Yeah, yeah so um, I, I'm just a big Son- Sonics fan. Those Kemp's were like iconic almost, right? Obviously, they weren't the Jordan, but what other brand of shoes other than the Jordan, what what other things like kind of kicked off that sneaker flipping culture yeah i mean so the first shoe i had was the kamikaze 2 the sean mm-hmm. kemp and it was like 60 bucks at kohl's right? right it was on clearance and i remember my dad bought them and said your feet better not grow that's all you got there <laughs> kiddo so had those in 1994 1995 um and there's a photo of me this classic photo now which is funny because i represent the kicker for the chiefs and I'm going down to the Super Bowl, but they play the 49ers. Mm-hmm. There's a photo of me wearing my 49ers starter jacket and the Kamikaze 2s with my wind pants. Right. Very <laughs> 90s, right? But to answer your question, back in the day, in the, ni- in the 80s, I should say, the war between Reebok and Nike was, was huge. Mm-hmm. And the pump and Dominique Wilkins and that stuff. And then Nike had Jordan and, 
and some you know great athletes then in the 90s but it was kind of this battle between them Adidas wasn't as big but they you know kind of emerged eventually too and signed Kobe and mm -hmm. um but it you know Reebok was one of my favorites they had Frank Thomas they had Emmett right. Smith they had Allen Iverson um they had you know so many great Shaq they had so many great athletes and so that was a, a big thing in the 90s um can I stop you right there because I want to mention one too with with Converse and, the, and those Dennis Rodmans that, that they had, yes, Converse, they, the worm, yeah, those were awesome. unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, I was a Sonics fan too. So I always I liked the Bulls, the Magic, and the Sonics. Mm -hmm. um, when Michael retired, I became a big um, Sonics fan and loved Kemp. Had a Kemp poster and the Kamikazes there. But you had the gloves with Gary Payton. I mean, I remember those teams with Detlef Schrempf and, yes. and George Carl and, and yeah, Vin Baker yeah, eventually oh, God, down the road. So those guys are good, right? And so, but to answer your question on the sneaker front, um, the the 90s sneakers, you had Jason Kidd and Grant Hill was with Fila. I mean, you remember some of right. those brands back right. in the day. And that sneaker craze kind of kept Jordan. It was fueled by Air Jordans. It, it recently has kind of grown because of Kanye and mm -hmm. Yeezys. And um, now you have Off-White and, and all these rappers and things doing Travis shoes. Scott. Travis and, Scott yeah. doing the Jordans. Yep. So it's, you know, it's massive. And we were just talking before we went on air, talking about how cards back in the day was card shops, card shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, that connection with your friends and that was a big thing and there was clout people just had cards that they were kind of flexing on people and now it's sneakers and it's part of fashion so now there's sneaker shows and sneaker mm -hmm. shops and uh, I moved to New York five years ago I'm now in my back in my hometown of Wisconsin but I I took a job with sneaker news and worked with them for five years and still work with them and we have nine million followers on Instagram mm -hmm. and it just shows that that craze was insane and that there's this insatiable appetite for sneakers and there's flippers and there's collectors and um, really, people that just want to wear sneakers, but of course, it's running shoes and and uh, CrossFit and all these crazy things now. But it's evolved a lot since since the '80s and '90s, right. and I actually see the card world going the same way. Yeah, I, th I think so too. Um, let's let's get in. How did you get to East Bay? Because what, there's one. You're you. How old are you? Thirty four. Thirty four. Right, I'm thirty nine. If there's one thing I remember about and that I loved about my teenage years was the East Bay catalog that came every month, man. And I would flip through that and whether it was looking at baseball bats or, or those shoes or jerseys or whatever, I was like, man, these are amazing. How did you land at East Bay? hundred percent. So I, it was crazy walking around the Beckett office today because it reminds me of East Bay. I worked at East Bay for four years and you guys have a lot of the old catalogs mm -hmm. and same with East Bay. There's that wall. So I was buying and selling sneakers in high school and then college. And at one point I had 200 pairs of sneakers and I was just flipping Jordans and it's pretty much how I paid for my two years of college. I went for graphic design in my hometown of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And was buying and selling shoes, and this woman in Minneapolis, who it's about 90 miles from my hometown, uh, heard of me or was talking to a friend of a friend and said, I heard you were flipping Jordans. There's still a market. He retired like a mm -hmm. few years ago. There's still a market for this. She said, I covered Michael Jordan when he was in Chicago on the Bulls, and now I work for the Minneapolis newspaper, and I want to do a story on this. This is really interesting to me. And this was 2005. This was years after he had retired from the Wizards. Sure. So they came over and shot my collection, and we talked about how I was restoring vintage shoes and collecting and buying and selling, and, you know, pretty cool article, and I still have a copy of that, and it ran uh, 4th of July weekend, 2005. And so years later, I kind of continued to hustle and spy and sell shoes and do some marketing projects, and I sent that article and a one-page letter to 10 different companies and just kind of talking about how I could help them and what I thought there was a, a need for and one of them was East Bay, and the VP of marketing got back to me, mm. kept building a relationship, and about seven months later, he brought me in. That's awesome. And he said, I have no idea what you're going to do, 
but you're a great kid. You seem like you're ambitious. You got some ideas. You'll probably be here a year or two and be on to something else. Mm -hmm. And so I was there four years, 2008 to 2012, and worked with over 150 pro athletes and um, met over 50 sports agents, and that's how I eventually became an agent. I connected with those guys. So I I don't think any kid grows up and says, I want to be a sports agent, but – I mean, it, it, I think that's a job that kind of just happens. Is that what happened? I mean, you, you just kind of happened, but you got to take that test. Tell me about that test. Is it, is it like intimidating? Well, so the way it went down was I was working at East Bay. I met a few different agents, and a few wanted to bring me in, but um, never really dreamt of doing that. I watched mm-hmm. Jerry Maguire as a kid, and, of course, sure. it was a great movie, but I never really had that ambition. But I just started serving these athletes, and, and the guys I work with now, BTI Sports, Joe and Brad, they said, hey, you know, our guys love working with you. you got a great mind for this. We, you, we need some young blood in the industry. We'll pay for you to get certified and take you into our wing and, and you know, are happy to help you kind of mm-hmm. move your career forward. And that was 2013. We started doing some marketing projects. And then 2015, 2016 is when they said that. So I took the exam. I missed it by one point the first time. Oh, no. And if you miss it two years in a row, You're you done. can't take it for five years. Oh, man. But it's open note, open book. But it is unbelievable. There's 700 pages of stuff you got to know between the collective bargaining agreement and all the other, you know, shenanigans that go on. And it was crazy. So I would say I locked myself in my room and I probably didn't get any wrong the second year. But the test is brutal and they're continuing to make it harder because mm-hmm. they, they said the NFLPA is who puts it on. Sure. And they said, hey, players are telling us we have enough agents. We're actually in a good place. Uh-huh. So they're making it harder and harder. But got in and my first client was Harrison Bucker, who plays for the Chiefs, kicker, mm-hmm. one of the best kickers in the league, uh, playing the Super Bowl here in a couple weeks. And um, he's been great. You know, he's, he's become a great friend and um, a catalyst for my career. And something that's brought a lot of joy when your players are really cool. They're great mm-hmm. players, but when they're really nice people and their family, we're very close with the Bucker family. So, sure. um, but yeah, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart, though. I, I would assume not. I mean, it, it sounds like a lot of long nights and, you know, hard work and uh, a lot of go, just like you got to go uh, everywhere. <laughs> so well, that's life, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like anything, you can't be 12 years old running a lawn mowing business if you're not ready to put in the work. Right. And those are things that kind of got put on my lap. But um, as they say, you know, the strong soldiers are the one that get that, the ones that get that. So mm-hmm. I, I love football. So that's the feel. It's like anything with a hobby, too, right? I'm sure, be like, oh, you got a lot of hours in the podcast. But yeah, you love it. You know, you enjoy right. connecting with people and uh, it comes pretty naturally sure. uh, to be able to serve people and uplift people, and mm-hmm. and so uh, it's a pretty good fit, I would say. I think so. All right, so I want to I want to talk about Bucker just for a minute, and then we'll get onto the cards because you, you're you're working on this book, and then you have this other great thing that I want to talk about too. But how do you? Obviously, the player chooses the agent, correct? But how do you approach them? How do you how do you sell that? How do you sell your first guy and say, hey, let's let's work together? So this is the craziest story, and you're the first one I've told publicly. Okay. <clears throat> Me and all my listeners. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. This is this is good stuff. So I went to the exam, agent exam, and the first year I, I missed it by one point. But I met a gentleman by the name of Drew. And Drew, uh, kind of a wealthy businessman from Atlanta, mm-hmm. and got to know each other. Great guy. Hey, Gadorn, what's going on, man? Great guy. Uh, <laughs> Southern accent. Got to know him, and he also failed it the first year. Second year, we roomed together, became friendly. You know, we're studying, trying to get this going, trying to pass. And I did really well in the exam, and he missed it. He failed it. He Uh said, I'm done, Hagedorn. That's it, man. Two years, (laughs) I'm done, man. I can't do it. This is a bummer. So that was July. We took the exam. September, found out I passed. He had missed it. That January, I'm sitting there watching the Badger game with my dad and my grandpa, rest in peace. And I get a phone call from Drew out of nowhere. Hmm. Hey Drew, what's up? Hey Gadorn, what's going on, man? I got this guy. I got this guy. He's a kicker, all-time leading scorer at Georgia Tech. You got to meet him. 
I fly down to Georgia less than 15 hours. I sat with the Buckers for three and a half hours, and eventually it was I was up against me and Justin Tucker's agent. Mm-hmm. And Harrison called me five days later and said, "Hey, I just got off the phone with Rob. I'm going with you. Let's mm-hmm. go." Very nice. That's that's a tough that's a tough go because Justin Tucker is you know. He's he's an all around guy. He he's seeing soprano and he, he's operatically trained and that's awesome. And so you got chosen over that. That's cool. Crazy, but it's a good fit. You know, Harrison and I are wired. We're cut from the same cloth. We're both obsessed with our crafts and we really want to to uplift people and help people and be kind along the way. And um, you know, it's just a fit, right? It's like mm-hmm. same. I've been dating my my fiance since the day we met, right? It's just an easy fit. You know, it's just something that comes seamlessly and. I think it's the same with any business endeavor, anything you're doing. You, you have to find things that, that are a great fit, and mm-hmm. then it actually falls into place pretty easily. Yeah. So i got to ask you about the shirt then. Is that a, is that a, is that a marketing genius play that you did? Or Yeah, this is – I took my – after I dropped out of college, after two years of graphic design, I'm still able to use my design skills. Nice. Um, <laughs> design some butt kicker merch. And, yeah, this is a fun one. This is actually just a sample at some point. We'll put these out. But um, is, is there a whole line coming, or is it – Well, we have it? shirts. We have pins. We have all kinds of fun okay. stuff. Buttkicker7.com. There you go. It's good stuff. little plug there. Very nice. So uh, the Super Bowl is just a few days away. Obviously, you're going to be rooting for the Chiefs, but with a Niners heart in your chest, what are you doing, man? I'm actually a Packer fan. Okay. So I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm a Packer fan, but I just love football, right? I love sports, and I always appreciate uh, my hometown teams, Packers, Badgers, Brewers, Bucks. Those mm-hmm. are my favorite. Um, but then I kind of have secondary teams, and I, actually the Mavs are one of my favorite teams. I always love Jason Kidd and, sure. and Steve Nash and um, – you know, Michael Finley and, and Devin Harris, those guys are all, you know, iconic Mavs. So um, the Niners, I respect them. I appreciate what they're doing, but uh, it's 100% Chiefs on this one. Okay, that that's great. But And I respect secondary teams, but how do you go from a teenager wearing a, a Niners starter jacket to to being a Packers fan? I'm Because I had a Packers starter living here. I like that. That's and, good. So <laughs> you, you can appreciate this then. So I grew up diehard Packer fan and still I bleed green and gold. Mm-hmm. Couldn't afford the full price Packers starter jacket mm. back in '94, so I'm sure the Niners jacket was on clearance. I got you. And so he said, "I had to use my own money to buy it." I'm like, "I'll roll with it." I'm a lefty. Steve Young's a lefty. You appreciate guys. Dion had just signed with there, and so mm-hmm. they ended up winning the Super Bowl that year over the Chargers. Right. So I was, like and people were like, "Hey, you're a front runner," and I'm like, "Hey, listen, if you got a Packers starter for me, I'll take it." <laughs> funny, very funny. Now, now speaking of, of collecting things and and. Shoes and everything. Starter jackets are making a comeback. Yes. And that's a cool market to be paying attention to right now. Yep. I mean, you have all those 90s brands. Mitch and Ness came back. I mean, mm-hmm. you remember Mitch and Ness came back in the early 2000s with right. LeBron wearing them. But now they're strong. New Era is another strong one. Uh, Zubas, remember those pants? Yeah. Oh, those yeah. came back. And and Champion is another one. I mean, you get a lot of these nostalgic 90s brands that are now putting some new flair and, and kind of new style into to it. Right. I mean, that stuff is transcendent as it is, and, and now rappers and right. people are getting into vintage. And I mean, it's everything. It's cyclical. It's crazy. You know, the vintage sneakers are coming back. Cards are coming back. Starter jackets, champion. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty amazing. Where you at, Puma? Let's get this going. Let's get this going. All right, so let's get into the cards because uh, Brett Favre, that, that was your guy. And I know that we've ta- you, you talked about this a little bit on Dr. Beck's podcast, but like you, you said you pulled that gold score, Brett Favre, and that was like kind of the end of the thing. Did it just – spark like i gotta get every brett Favre card from here from so, the entire history well being in wisconsin the Favre cards were more expensive at the shops because you're yeah. local there and yeah. he's blowing up he's back to back to back mvps and some of those inserts were just impossible and you know you had no idea what pmgs or rubies were when you were a kid because it was just local card shops so there were cool inserts that were 20 bucks and and uh so i actually collected from 1994 to 2000 got out of it went to high school and kind of discovered new things as we all do and 
He means girls. <laughs> no comment. From there, in 2000, from 2000 to 2014, I was out of it. I moved to New York at the end of 2013, mm-hmm. went to a card show in White Plains, went through the dollar box, grabbed some inserts of all kinds of Hall of Famers, and kind of got me hooked. I was looking on eBay, and next mm-hmm. thing you know, you're buying... I was talking about it before, you know, you buy a card for a hundred bucks and you're like, oh man, that's a mm, lot. Yep. That's, a, that's you know, you didn't buy that as a kid. So then, and it snowballed. The next thing you know, you're being exposed to some of these other cards and reconnecting with people in the hobby. And so now I collect a lot of nineties inserts. I really only collect far of 1991 to 2000. Um, but as I was going down this, this kind of rabbit hole of cards and Favre and Barry Sanders and Griffey and all these guys I really loved, I said, well, I need a purpose, right? I'm going to these shows and I'm blowing a couple hundred bucks here and there, 50 bucks, whatever. Why not have a purpose? And so I said, why not write a book or do something where you can collect this content and, mm-hmm. and really kind of elevate the photography, the photography and the writing and just make it something cool. So I decided I'm writing a series of books, one baseball, one basketball, one football, and it will be kind of this nice, beautiful coffee table piece of sorts. And it'll be 1980 to 2000, the evolution of cards, and it will just kind of show in that kind of golden age of cards mm-hmm. how it got to, to be pretty crazy. So what... You said it's an end game, and that those cards show might have sparked this. But I mean, why 1980 to 2000? Why not? You know, because that's going to go right through the junk era, obviously. You know, which is a big part of of collecting today, especially for guys our age. But you know, why not? Where the technology, like 90, 96, where that technology, where the first jersey cards come in. Why not 96 to like you know? It's a good present. question. Yeah. What's your favorite sport, card wise? Basketball. Okay, so if you go basketball, if you go 1980. It starts right there with Magic and Bird. Yeah. That's so iconic. How do you leave that out, right? Sure. And it's just such a great card. And then it evolves, and then, of course, you get to Jordan. And those eras of Jordan, Barkley, the Admiral, Carl mm-hmm. Malone, you know, how do you ignore those guys? Shaq, 92, 93, you know, you got 93, 94, you got Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, you know, all the guys that – and then it gets to where Grant Hill to – Kevin Garnett to Iverson, Kobe. I mean, it just, there's so much history leading up to it. And then cards got really awesome in 96, 97, 98. That's like the mm-hmm. probably best three years for, at least for inserts. And then all the way up to like Tom Brady in 2000, then it kind of stops. 2000 where it gets really watered down with a lot of memorabilia. But throughout that era from 1980 to 2000, you have first serial number, first autograph, first game used jersey, first gold stamp, gold foil, refractors. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have so much technology yeah. and so much heritage there that I feel like that and that era really hasn't been covered in a book or, or in a beautiful way that I think sure. you know encapsulates what happened in that era in those card shops and shows and in all of our living rooms. Sure. Now, obviously, there's going to be tons of content there for you. Uh, you're going to get to go back and, and you know flare and Donruss and score and I mean that makes total sense now. Uh, with that being said, there just wasn't near the amount of products out. You know, it was, it was probably what you know one, two, three, four, five base sets and then maybe two or three secondary products from a from a from a given company are you how many pages are you looking for the book about 100 okay so that makes a lot of sense yeah and so you're looking at i mean you make a good point that from 80 to let's call it even 93 94 mm-hmm. it 94 starts to really explode yeah. and it's they start to take some of the money they made and put it into inserts and things i've become friends with some of these designers from back in the 90s and Fleer and these other brands were coming in and just throwing money at it. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, do whatever you can to, to make this crazy. You know, and that's when you get a lot of the die cut stuff and the sure. holograms and the refractors and the game use stuff. And it got out of control in a good way. Yeah. I mean, you look back at those 90, 90s inserts, there's cards at card shows and in shops that are a dollar or two that are the, some of the most beautiful cards on the planet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So with that being said, I have to uh, ask you 
I know that we just met, but I have to implore you as a as a newfound friend, you got to do a big at least two, three, maybe four page section on on Flair Provision because ninety one Flair is a horribly ugly set, but those Provision cards are legit awesome. So we got you got to make that happen. I agree. I and mean, there's there's a few cards that the the focus of the book will be the evolution of cards mm-hmm. through the players, the brands, mm-hmm. the technologies, the innovations, the sub series, the subsets, the mm-hmm. parallels, the numbered stuff in a way that's never really been done before, right? Everybody can can kind of get excited about a green PMG Jordan, right? right but there's of some of these obscure inserts and things in Fleer Metal that are really beautiful cards. Yeah. Um, and if you can go across all three sports and, and do similar things, I think there'll be something for everybody. Are you going to include hockey in this? or I will not. You will not. Is it because of uh, a lack of hockey knowledge, or is it? That, and I I think that's for someone who loves hockey way more. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can understand that. I would be happy to help facilitate that um, as far as a from a content standpoint or sure. the overall structure. But, you know, for me in my career, and it's pretty funny, but it's football, it's sneakers, it's cards, it's my family it's i really focus my time on things i love because when you do that it doesn't feel like work it's pretty yeah. easy and it comes easier and then when you speak about it i mean you can tell and when i talk to you you know there's this innate knowledge inside of you mm-hmm. that you can't teach so i could learn about hockey but it's it just doesn't kind of speak to me as much as the other sports right and the reason i bring hockey up is because i'm obviously if you start at 80 you're going to miss you're going to miss um, Gretzky's rookie year cuz he was 79 80 so right. i mean i guess you could squeeze it in there but you know, you through the '80s, you have huge rookies with with Lemieux and Iserman and and Yager. Wall and Yager. Well, yeah. Yager's in the '90s. Uh, I mean, you, you those those are names that are just like, oh, I remember ESPN Hockey Night and watching that guy. Yep. So Lindros, yep, yeah, those it, guys are so, nasty. Somebody, hopefully, somebody would pick that up and do that too. Yeah, I mean, the goal is to be a catalyst for people, right? Mm-hmm. To understand that this hobby is full of amazing people, amazing cards, amazing athletes, and. Um, to elevate the media, and I mean, this podcast is a great example of of people have this insatiable appetite for cards and mm-hmm. their favorite players and what's going on in the hobby. And so, I'm hoping that this book is a start. I'm starting what I'm calling for the hobby, which mm-hmm. is kind of this group. It'll be a website and a podcast and these books, and hopefully down the road a documentary where we can be a catalyst for people to kind of pursue what they love. And, sure. and maybe it's a guy that starts a hockey podcast that turns into a book or you connect a, a content creator with a writer with somebody who has a vision for a book. And now mm-hmm. you're, you've facilitated this through just talking about the hobby even more. Right. Now, what what are your like, when you want to start, are you, have you already started that, your, your work towards that? Yes. Or Okay, so tell me how that, tell me what that looks like right now. So it started by the book for me was this reason to collect and mm-hmm. this ability to tell people your story and hey, what are you in, what are you up to? What are you into? And I could say I collect Brett Favre and Griffey and Jordan, Penny Hardaway, but to be able to say find out who they collect and mm-hmm. then if they can contribute to that, everybody I've talked to is like, oh, let me know what I can do. I can give you photos of these players or these cards or whatever you need or you need a writer, whatever it is. And so I've I've attracted what I want, which is just people who love this stuff, right? And that's sure. that's key. So. As I've done that, I thought, well, how do you do that and build your tribe along the way? Because mm-hmm. you could put out a book and and guys like you and people would love it, uh, I think. Um, but I think there's a level to do it along the way, right? And so this is a way to talk to people, get to know people, have a reason to all get together, whether it's the podcast or uh, the ability to do meetups or whatever it may be. And so mm-hmm. um, looking to launch that podcast in the next probably few weeks sure. um, after Super Bowl, kind of maybe leading up to the Combine. Um in an episode every couple of weeks or so, just to kind of just start build a tribe and collect some emails, get people excited, and um, I want to be a matchmaker to 
help people find cards, right, too, to where you could say, hey, I'm a big Troy Aikman collector. Cool. I know some guys in Dallas that you should talk to. Facilitate that, whether it's email or, mm-hmm. or Facebook or text or whatever, and then kind of connecting the hobby and, and getting that moving. So it's it's been behind the scenes. Uh, as the book evolved, I said, why don't we create something a little more robust? And that's sure. kind of where that came from. And my thing is to uplift the hobby. So for the hobby is a perfect name, I think. Absolutely. How's your wife feel about this? Is she Does she understand it, or is she kind of just staying out of the, out of the way? Well, hopefully she'll be my wife oh, in yeah, July. I'm sorry, your, your fiancé, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> so we are getting married in July, and she is an extremely patient, uh-huh. extremely understanding person. We were long distance for eight years. Okay. I lived in New York for five of those, and um, finally moved to my hometown, and She's very patient. She's understanding. She is a dance teacher, and so she is inspiring these young girls and boys to dance, and mm-hmm. she pursues her passion, so she knows how passionate I am about sports yeah. and cards and sneakers. So I have over 650 pairs of shoes in the <laughs> basement and probably 100-some thousand cards, and so she's very patient for now. Mm-hmm. We may need to get a bigger house down the road just for, <laughs> for those, but uh, she's great. You know, She's super supportive, and I think we all know there's this funny – elephant in the room with wives and girlfriends who are either on board or not. Right. Um, But Oprah has a great quote. You teach people how to treat you. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with that. She's, she's been very patient, but it's because I help her understand what's going on Mm -hmm. and what we're building toward. And uh, she knows how much joy it brings me. And she knows that uh, if I'm stressed out, I go down and sort some cards and it all melts away. (laughs) Nice. You have a, you have like a little station set up that you, I do. There you go. I'm the biggest nerd you'll ever meet. (laughs) That's, you know, one thing I was going to tell you, you mentioned the word, but like you're, like I can feel the passion coming off of you. This is this is something that I can tell that you love. Uh, you've been doing it for a while, and it's not. It's probably something that you got hooked on as a kid, and just it never went away. So that's really cool. It's very positive, and uh, I I appreciate that. So thank you for being one of the good guys because there's plenty of negativity out there. We we see it a lot, but uh, that's not coming from you. I don't get that from you at all. Yeah, I mean this is a positive hobby. You know, I, I I'm trying to encourage people to fall in love with the hobby mm-hmm. and stay in love with sure. the hobby. I think we all, at times, in certain things you're working on or you're a part of, it's easy to get jaded. Mm-hmm. And I, I just implore people to not, right? And I think the key is for you to treat this as a hobby. And if you find an opportunity to make money, that's fine. But don't forget what you felt when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You fell in love with a pack of cards sure. or a brand or a, a player. And, and um, that gets away from people at times, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, it, when there's the kind of money in the hobby that's happening, it's it's easy to get caught up that there's been a lot of negativity trimming and all these other things, but I just, I'm all about the love, man. So I, I appreciate you recognizing that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a reason we're sitting here, right? I mean, what right. you're doing with this podcast and, and in the hobby as well is all extremely positive. So I thank also you. thank you for that. No problem. Thank you very much. I, I enjoy being that facilitator just as you do. So um, I'm going to get you out of here. I told you, I told you 20 minutes. I've kept you for 30 and I want to be, it's, it's nasty outside. I want you to be able to drive and get where you're going next safely. So uh, before we do, Lay out any social media that my, my listeners may need to know so they can uh, either A, follow you, participate with you, or you know how just be a part of this. Sounds good. Yeah, my personal Instagram and Twitter are at Jordan Hagedorn. So you can search my name. You'll see my mug right there, and you'll see some football and cards and family mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff. And then uh, very soon you will see ForTheHobby.com. Okay. You guys go check that out. Uh, go Chiefs. You guys hang tight. Go we'll Chiefs. be right back. Dear Basketball. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream. And we both know, no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled-up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, ball in my hands. 
five, four, three, two, one. All right, we are back. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us. I really appreciate that. Um, looking forward to that series of books that you're going to be working on, that you are working on. Um, really excited about that, actually. After after our conversation, I, I sat and thought about it for a while. I think that's a great project for you to be working on. I think you're the right person to be doing it. So, yeah, that, those are going to be fun. I can't wait till they come out. Absolutely great, great stuff there. Plus, NFL agent for Kansas City Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker, the shirt that he's wearing, it said butt kicker, guys. You, you missed it. It was awesome. Obviously, you couldn't see it because this is audio, but it was, he was wearing a great show, shirt. He's all Kansas City this weekend. Don't let that fool you. Even though he has a little bit of a San Francisco uh, allegiance, he is all Kansas City this weekend. So uh, let's let's see what happens there. I hope that he's having a good time uh, down in Miami and uh, go Chiefs, I guess. So, uh, Jordan, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate that. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. All right, how do we how do we lay this out? Because it has to be talked about, right? It has to be. In fact, I'm sure every every sports podcast, every sport card podcast, uh, every media outlet has you're going to hear this week uh, that hasn't already talked about Kobe or isn't still talking about Kobe is going to be talking about Kobe. So I want to do this in a respectful way. Please know that, again, these are genuine thoughts and feelings that um, that are going to be protruding from, from my mouth. So, um, yeah, let's just start. Let's start here. On Friday, Friday of last week, I turned 39. And I had the day off. It was, uh, you know, it was my birthday, and I was going to... I was going to a church retreat. I was going to be spending some time with the, the leadership of my church, and we were going to be um, kind of the area. It's really secluded, actually. It's it's kind of where I near where I grew up. I grew up in Springtown, Texas, and if you don't know where Springtown, Texas is, it's it's a small small town, about thirty five forty five miles forty miles west of Fort Worth. So where we were at was Poolville, Texas, and it's just. It's just west of Springtown, and it's a it's a nice area. It's called Capernaum Village, and they they film movies there before and everything. It's cool, but they have they have the option of you know you can rent that place out for for retreats, and uh, we did we do that. My church does that, and we were there, and I wasn't feeling good. In fact, I was not. I I ended up in the hospital. Um that week, you know, that last weekend I ended up in the hospital because, um, I just, I wasn't feeling, I was sick. I was, I had a, I just to spare you the details. It it just wasn't good. (laughs) And it was, uh, it was a bacteria. It wasn't anything that like, you know, I, I, and I didn't have coronavirus or anything like that. God bless those people. And want to say, actually, first of all, I want to stop here and I want to thank everybody who, who sent me birthday wishes, uh, in the card community. I, I really appreciate it. Big Shep, I owe you a card. I, uh, I uh, 
did not get that card out in the mail to you. So um, I will. I'll get it out today or tomorrow. But I uh, just want you to know that it wasn't I – was, I was in the hospital. I was ill. And it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was just because I was like physically couldn't. So um, I landed in the hospital, went to the retreat. And I, within 15, 20 minutes of being there, I, I got physically sick there. So I, you know, I ended up in the in the ER, and then I and they kept me there in the hospital. Got released Saturday night. So here's what I got working. I'm turning 39. I'm, you know, so on my birthday, I'm sick. Turning 39, uh, land myself in the hospital, and I got time right. So I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary, and that's still kind of sad really sad actually but what hit me from that was uh Aaron Aaron Hernandez's dad was 39 when he passed away I'm like oh great that's my age and then being out in Springtown Poolville Texas where I grew up my dad was about this my dad was either 39 or 40 when he passed away I, I, I gotta lock that down and look at the date but he, so I'm I'm dealing with my morality my my own mortality actually because I'm 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 turning 39 I see that Aaron Hernandez's dad was 39 when he passed away, and it just because of what I was caught up in, and my dad being the age that he was when he passed, and I'm out in my hometown, and I was an emotional wreck to begin with. Saturday evening, I get I get to come home. I don't get to go to church on Sunday because I'm still kind of you know reeling from the side effects of, of the drugs and the medicine and everything like that, and then. You know, news breaks that I that Kobe Kobe had died, and I have to tell you that my my initial thought was, oh my God, what did he, did he die of an overdose or or something like that? Because just like what kind of secret thing was Kobe doing that no one knew about that 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 made this happen? And then that, I immediately had to fight that back from my brain because I was like, wait a minute, this is Kobe Bryant. That's that's not who he is. And then I, I see the reports coming in that he, he it was a helicopter crash and like that made it all the worse uh, <laughs> because the, sometimes those things are preventable and as we learned as this I don't know that it, if the helicopter ha- would have had the equipment necessary to to the instruments to fly in the fog like that would have been prevented but like I, I go back and I think about uh, Aaliyah who who who's that that could have been prevented and you know just situations where you think you know what could have been done differently and that's exactly what I was thinking about I was like oh my god Kobe like like what happened not that this was Kobe Bryant's fault but you know who who weren't who wasn't checking boxes and then reality of it all like sunk in like this is this is Kobe being Bryant this is crazy because of how young he is he's 41 so now i'm thinking i'm 39 and you know there's all this you know sadness around me in this moment because i'm I'm just getting out of the hospital i'm uh you know i'm thinking about my dad i was you know again with the eric hernandez documentary kobe's 41 people and we and i just posted on facebook the Thursday before, you know, please hug your hug your kids and and tell them you love them for my birthday. That that's what I wanted for my birthday. It's like you know, just because we had just buried my grandmother, and I was like, you know, this is this is crazy. I'm just an emotional wreck. Is really what I am. And 
as the as the day like sank in, like there was so much coming coming at you, and it was some of it was speculation. Was it Rick? Was Rick Fox there? And you know who who were the others? The first, and the, you know, I saw a report that said you know four of his daughters were with him, and I was like, oh god, this is horrible. This is so bad, and it still is. It's it's really bad. There's not a good positive thing coming out of this, right? And then my wife walked in, and I was like, hey, I said, I said, Kobe Bryant died. And she said, what? My wife is not a, like, she's not a sports person. She'll watch it. She'll, you know, she'll humor me with it. But she's not a sports person. And she was shooken. You know, she was like, this is, this is nuts. And the, as we watched it as a husband and wife and a, and a mom and dad, Thinking about Kobe with Gigi and th- the other family that was was on that helicopter and, and his oh it it just got rougher it got tougher and 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 like I just I wasn't prepared to cry the tears that I was crying as I thought about everything <coughs> excuse me and then thinking about him and Gigi. He's a, you know he's a girl dad. We all saw that hashtag running around girl a girl dad and you know I thought I think about my daughter Olivia who you know is no longer here and it just like everything came rushing forward. It damn if it doesn't suck. My son, my oldest son is, is he's nine. Uh, I've called him Eli Bean since the day he was you know we brought him home from the hospital. And that came from Kobe being, and I is this he's such I had such great respect for this man and such admiration for who he was and who he is and who he's still going to be in you know in in death you know his his legacy is not going to fade away easily. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful life taken from us, you know. And it's hard to understand. I, I, I can't say that I understand. I I understand it at all. And, and but then you add in the fact that Gigi was there, and, and the I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the baseball coach's name. His family was there, and you know now that now his kids are orphaned, and um, you know Kobe's wife and the rest of his family are, are just you know in shambles. The Lakers family is in shambles. Not that I know anybody on the Lakers or, or have any kind of relationship with them, but I think about those them in this moment. And what I'm getting at here is, and I've said it before, you've heard me say it, is this is fun. What we do is fun. It's a hobby. And we try to make it fun and 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 you know, collect and trade and sell, whatever you're doing. And that's what it, it is what it is. People take it way too seriously sometimes though. There are greater things in life, greater things happening right now in this world than <laughs> than plain white envelope shipping and card trimming and price guide arguments. We all know that eBay's free. We get it. There's so much more happening that is meaningful 
Like, <laughs> none of this means anything. In the grand, grand scheme of things. I'm, gl- I'm glad you do it. I'm glad you have fun with it. You know, and, and it gives you a release. Hell, I need it sometimes, too. But there's so much more. And as I crash back down to reality on 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 Sunday night and uh, into Monday, and I was still out of work on Monday, I didn't get back to the office on Tuesday. I had some time to process. It it just it, like everything hit home. So I I told you at the top of the show I meant it. Thank you for listening. I really really appreciate you listening. I, it means a lot to me that you would take time out of your day to listen to this sh- to this podcast, whatever, whenever you're doing it, whether it be today on release day or or next week or next year or you know five years from now. If you're listening to this, thank you very much. And I said the same thing on social media, and I'll say it again: go tell somebody you love them. It'll make their day. It'll make your day especially if it's somebody you haven't spoken to in a while, please go tell somebody. Because hearing Shaq break down the way that he broke down because he hadn't spoken to Kobe in a while and everything that he's going to miss, I mean, how does that not tug at your heartstrings? Please do that. Like, seriously. Hit pause. Go tell somebody you love them. I told Eli, my son, I said, you know, the reason your 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 nickname is Eli Bean is because of Kobe. And I explained to him who Kobe was. And he, you know, we watched videos together, highlight videos and stuff like that. And and it's it was an absolute joy to get to show him and share share Kobe with him a little bit. And I hope to do that more in the future. You know, Kobe was a sports hero first. I got the end of Jordan's career, right? I'm a '90s kid. I got the end. I got those six championships in the '90s, and those were great, fun to watch. But then Kobe came in the middle of those, and was he was what ninety? Was it '95, '96, '96, '97? I'm just drawing a blank right now. But so Kobe was my guy growing up, you know, into my 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 teens, into my twenties, and he was fun to watch. He was an amazing basketball player. He was an amazing talent on the court. But what he the things that he's done in his retirement are, are more impressive. But then, you know, how great of a father he seems to be, seems to have been as well is, is really impressive. That's what I'm more impressed with. So, again, this is fun. Let's do it. Let's keep doing this because it's cool. But just know that there, there's more, there's more out there. There's more to, there's more to life than than cardboard. A lot more. And with that, I say to the people who made money <laughs> off of this death, some of it, some of this was reactionary, like like people got the news and they just immediately went to eBay or wherever and started picking up Kobe cards. I can't really blame you for that. But the people who intentionally uh, canceled orders and re you know re up the price to make your money off of that that's that's pretty sick that's pretty low of you and um i can't it's not mine to judge but the perception of it is is pretty pretty crappy 
You know, there's, I know that there's a free market and I get it. And it, I, there's, it's one thing to say if something was up already and you left it as is. And, Cause I, even I did, I had a, I had a Kobe Bryant card sell that honestly I had, I didn't even know I had listed and it sold for a quarter and I was happy. I, I took my quarter and, and just went on, went on my way and I hope that guy is happy with that card. I don't, but for those who like took stuff down and relisted it at higher prices, it's a free market. You can do that, but your motives are wrong and you know that they are. So, all right, we're going to move right along here and I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm just going to end the show. I'm going to end the show the same way that I did. I'm that I began the show and that I've been telling you to do during this segment. Call somebody, tell them that you love them. Hug, hug somebody close to you. You cannot make up for lost time. Go do that because that's more important than, um, than anything else in the hobby, in, in the card world. Go tell somebody you care about them. And I promise you, um, it will make you feel better. It'll make them feel better. And it'll be, it is, it'll be the best thing that you can do. I want to give a shout out to, uh, my sponsors again, uh, pastime marketplace, Get yourself a case, a graded card case or a collectible card case. Use code FATPACKS at checkout for 20% off. Dynasty Breaks, make sure you're checking them out over at DynastyBreaks.com. Uh, filth Bomb Breaks, check them out. Uh, they're at filth, FilthBombBreaks.com or you can check them out on their Facebook group. Same with Dynasty Breaks. And then, of course, Vintage Breaks as well. And, of course, don't forget Just Collect. Because they have everything you need to know about collecting. Now I'm getting emotional thinking about stuff. That's it, guys. Thank you so much for uh, joining me this week. I really appreciate it. And until next week, just keep listening. Cue the drink. Thank you.